Well, this song, they didn't know what I was going to minister on tonight, but uh, that song just fits right in with what I want to talk to you about this evening for a little bit. And uh, praise God, I'm going to ease back into this preaching a little, all right? <laughs> I'm going to ease back into it. This is Bible study night, right? Remember? Amen. Open your Bibles tonight, if you have them with you, to the book of James again. We're going to the book of James. Brother Terry, could you give me just a little bit more volume, please? The book of James, the first chapter. Thank you, sir. The book of James, chapter number one. And um, for, a, uh, for a few weeks, we have ministered on Wednesday nights from the book of James. We talked about... We talked about uh, triumphing over our trials. We talked about the tussle we have with temptations and how to overcome those temptations that come our way. But tonight I want to look at verses 16 and 17 of this first chapter of James and uh, talk to you a little bit tonight about the Father of lights and what I, when I said this the last song that they just led you in, in this worship song, uh, speaks about Him being a good Father. It speaks about Him defeating the darkness. It speaks about Him bringing us into the light. And so that's what I want to minister to a little bit uh, to you about tonight. The Father of lights and how He has brought us into the light. And we, you know, this probably is a good topic for somebody to, to minister on that has just come from uh, Cozumel and, and, the, and the sunshine places. Live, we need to live in the sunshine. I haven't seen much sunshine since I've been back. Amen. It's been a little gloomy, but God has got... He's the Father of lights. Can I get an amen? So look with me at James chapter 1, if you would. Verse 16 and 17 is what I'm going to read for my thought tonight to minister to you for a few minutes. James chapter 1, verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Where does every good gift come from? From above. Where does every perfect gift come from? It comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. No variableness, neither shadow of turning. I love that verse of Scripture because it talks to us about the goodness of God. It talks to us about a God that gives to His people good things and gives to His children good gifts. God is a good God. Can I get an amen? amen? Now the devil would like for you, for everybody, he tries to get everybody to think negatively about God. He tries to cast a negative or dark light upon God and he uh, is very good at getting people to blame God for their troubles and for their heartaches and for their disappointments and all the bad things that happen in our lives, the devil would like for you to blame God for those things. And do you know there are a lot of people tonight 
that are blaming God for the troubles that have come their way and the difficult times that they've had in their life. I heard the other day, just the other day, an interview on uh, YouTube. Some, someone had put it on YouTube of Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers that had done an interview um, and, uh, about his faith. He has actually denied his faith in Christ and um, his reasoning for that, he went through, you know, Aaron Rodgers may be a good quarterback, but he's a terrible theologian. Um, and so his ideas about God and his ideas about the Bible were very skewed and were not online at all. But it was the kind of the same old story that you hear a lot from people today. His story went something like, how could a good, loving, kind father, a God, um, you know, condemn most of the population of the world to burn in a fiery hell throughout eternity? How could a good, loving, kind God, you know, be that way and do that? Well, you know, we know what the Bible teaches and that it's not God's will that anybody perish. It's not God's will that anybody be lost. It's not God's will that anybody go to hell. That's why He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary so that everybody that will accept Him can have everlasting life and live eternally in heaven with the Lord. Amen. But we hear that same theology and philosophy. I've heard it in the ministry over the years so many, many, many different times. People that would say, well, if God's such a good God and He's such a loving God and such a kind God, why is the world full of such evil? Why is the world, why is there so much bad stuff that happens in the world today? But can I tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen, that we are not to blame and we must not blame God for the evil and, the, and the, the terrible things that are happening in this world. We're not to blame God for our problems, for our troubles that we have in our life because all of the suffering that we have in this world is because we live in a world that has been cursed by sin, has been blighted by sin. And all of the bad stuff that's going on in the world today was not God's original intention when He created the earth and when He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Everything was blessed. Everything was good. All the bad stuff came after they sinned and after the fall and after, after the devil became the little G God of this world. You know, the Bible says that the whole world, this whole world, this world system lies under and is under the sway of the wicked one. So it's not God's desire, it's not God's plan that all this bad stuff be, in, be going on in the world because God is good. Can you say that with me tonight? God is good. He's a good, good God and a good, good Father. Amen? And so our text here in James teaches us that only good comes from God. How many believe that tonight? 
So when bad stuff comes into our life, and if you have lived very long in this world, you know whether you're saved or whether you're not saved that bad stuff does come in our life. We have difficulties and we have problems and we have you know stuff that comes to us and upon us and in our lives that we don't understand. But when we study and understand the Word of God, we realize that, as James says here, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights. So everything that's good in your life, and if you want something good in your life, you're going to get it from God. Can I get an amen? He is a good, good Father tonight. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. James says here in this text that God is the Father of lights. He compares Him to the sun. He's the creator of the sun, the moon, and the stars. God is the Father of lights. And so James compares Him to being a light. We sang about it, Katie, and the worship team sang about it just a few minutes ago that He is the God of light. He's brought us out of the darkness. He's defeated the darkness. And and so all that we know of God is light. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in 1 John 1 and verse 5 that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Amen. In Him is no darkness at all. James even says there's not even a shadow in God. So God is all light and totally light. So I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes on that thought about the Father of lights. This God from whom all good comes and from whom nothing but good comes. And when we learn to, to, to believe that and to trust in the Lord. And I, and I believe that as men and women of God, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, that God wants us to live under His light, in His light, walk in His light, and live in the spiritual sunshine every day of our life. Can I get an amen? I preached a message one time some years ago. Um, you remember the story of in the fifth chapter of Acts where, where the people brought their sick in, 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 um, in Jerusalem and laid them in the streets so that just Peter, the shadow passing over them, the shadow of Peter passing over them. Many of them were healed from the shadow of Peter. And and I had that thought that, that, um, that in order for the shadow of Peter to pass over those people, they had to get them on the sunny side of the street. They didn't put them in the shadows. They put them in the, on the sunny side of the street. So I believe that that's where God wants you and I to live today is in the sunshine. And I know there's some cloudy days that come into our life and there's some stormy times that come into our life and uh, there's some bleak moments that we have in our life. But through all of that, God's will is for you and I, for His church, for His 
His people to live in the sunshine of His grace, the sunshine of His love, the sunshine of His blessings, and to enjoy the goodness of God in our life every single day. And I believe that no matter what the storm may be or what we may be facing or going through in our walk uh, in this life, that we can experience the goodness of the Lord in our life because our Heavenly Father loves us and He is a good God. Amen? Praise God. Sunshine is better than gloom and clouds any day. Would you agree with that? But I want to look at the light because the Bible says here, James said that God, our Father, is the Father of lights. And there's four things, if I get to them today, I'm going to try to touch on all four, but four things that I want to give you and minister on about light and how God is light and compare these four attributes of light to, to our Heavenly Father tonight. Amen? And the first one of those, if you're taking notes tonight, the first one of those is that when you think about light, when you study about light, number one, light is pure. Light is pure. There is nothing, as a matter of fact, there is nothing in this universe that is as pure as light is. It is actually impossible for light to be defiled or to be stained. And when you think about everything else on this planet, I mean, just think about the snow, when it snows. Let's don't think about the snow, but let's talk a little bit about the snow. We haven't had much snow to amount to anything really this winter yet, but when you think about the snow and we get a good snow of four, five, six inches, how beautiful it is when it first falls. And it's just uh, so white and so clean and so pure. And that, that snow falls on the earth and it's just as crisp still wide as it can be, but it isn't long until that snow becomes sludgy and it becomes dirty and it becomes dingy and it's, it becomes defiled. It's not the crystal clear white that it was when it first fell. You think about springs of water. How many's ever been down to Big Spring, you know? And the, the water coming up out of Big Spring or Round Spring, some of those springs, is just as pure and clean as it could be. But after it flows downstream a while, it begins to pick up debris and begins to pick up dirt. So it doesn't maintain that purity that it does from its that it has from its source. But you know, the thing about light is so much different. Because light can shine upon filth and light can shine upon dirt, but the light will not become filthy. Did you ever think about that? Light can shine upon disease germs and does every single day, but the light cannot be contaminated by the disease germs at all or can it cannot catch the disease. It's absolutely impossible to soil light. Everything else can be defiled, but light can never be defiled. Light is always pure. And actually, I think they even use ultraviolet light to purify water. Isn't that right? right? They have purification water, purification systems that use ultraviolet light and, and uh, supposedly will destroy 99.99% of all harmful organisms that are in the water. And so, but light 
can, can be used to purify, but it cannot be defiled. It remains pure. Now, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this or not, but when we talk about God being the light, we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ being the light. It's a wonderful, wonderful light. is such a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ because John 1 and 9 says that Jesus was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He's the true light and He is the pure light and Jesus as being the light, it represents His purity. As God the Father being the Father of lights, it represents the holiness of God, the purity of God, the undefiled character of God that God cannot, as we read a couple of weeks ago, God cannot be tempted with evil. It it is not in his character, neither does he tempt any man, anybody with evil. It's such a wonderful picture of God because Christ is the light of the world. He is pure. He is holy. He is undefiled. He is without sin. Jesus came born of a virgin and lived 33 and a half years among sinful humanity and purified many but was never defiled by this world and never defiled by sin. He is the pure light tonight. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. When you think about Jesus, how that in his, in his earthly ministry, how that he could touch sinners, but sin could never touch Jesus. You ever think about that? Uh, you know, in the Bible, there where, where the leper came to Jesus, and in, in Matthew chapter 8, and the leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. Now that ought to settle the question of whether or not it's Jesus' will to heal us. Because he said, Lord, if you will, you can. The leper knew Jesus could, but he really didn't know, wasn't for sure, if Jesus would or not. And Jesus emphatically answered and said, I will. Be thou clean. And the Bible said that he reached out and he reached out with his hand and he touched the leper. He touched the clean and the pure the light of the world touching the unclean and immediately when Jesus touched the leper the Bible said that his leprosy instantly was gone and he was made pure himself he was made pure and clean you remember the story of the woman in the Bible with the issue of blood for 12 years she was defiled she was unclean according to Old Testament law she was impure for 12 years she had had this this, uh, problem, this this, uh, flow of blood that had made her unclean for 12 years. But she pressed through the crowd and she said, if I can just touch the hem of the master's garment, I know that I'll be well. I know I'll be healed. And she pressed through and she touched the garment of the Lord Jesus. The unclean, oh hallelujah, I'm about to have a spell here in Bible study. The unclean clean, touching the clean, the impure touching the pure and it didn't defile Jesus but it made her clean and made her pure oh I can think of the day that this old sinner boy walked an aisle in a Pentecostal church and got down on my knees at an altar 
altar and Jesus reached out his hand and the light of God shined in my life and the, the, the pure light of God came into me and when Jesus touched this unclean, impure, unholy sinner, he made a transformation in my life and made me clean and pure by his precious holy blood. Can you say man tonight? Woo! How that Jesus can take a sin, a, a soul that is stained by sin. As Isaiah said, though your sins be a scarlet, they'll be made whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, yet they'll be as wool. How he can take that old sin-stained soul and wash it in his precious holy red blood and make it white and pure as snow. Hallelujah. It's because he is the light. Come on, somebody. He is Jesus. He is complete and total purity. How many knows that He is holy and pure and He wants us to be just like Him? Amen? The pure light, the sinless, sinless Son of God. Jesus lived among sinful humanity for 33 and a half years, but yet He was able to say to them, which of you can convince me of sin? There was no sin found in him. There was no guile found in his mouth. He lived that pure, spotless, clean, holy life for 33 and a half years, then went to that cross and paid the price for our sins, the righteous, the just for the unjust, the holy for the unholy. And thank God He has imputed to us now His purity and His righteousness and through His blood He has made us clean. That is something to shout about tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. The pure light, the sinless Son of God. And light, you know, He he is a holy God and and we are to be like Him. And that is why we worship Him tonight because of His holiness, because of His purity, because of the holiness of His character. That is one of the attributes of light and that is an attribute of God. He is so holy and pure. When, when, When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple, He saw the seraphim that was around the throne of God and continuously, what were they saying? What were they saying continuously? They were saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. And then when they said it, they said it again. I mean, this is going on uh, all the time continuously. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Listen, He is a holy God. And He has said to us, be ye holy, for I am holy. He wants our lives to be holy. He wants our lives to be pure. And in 1 John 1 and 7, He said, if you will walk in the light as He is in the light, 
right. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. Praise God. My righteousness is not of my own self. The holiness doesn't come from acts that we do or how we dress or or anything like that. It comes from the purity of His blood and His spirit and His light that lives on the inside of us tonight. Well, that ought to make you shout just a little bit. Woo, hallelujah, amen? So number one light is pure. But number two, the father of lights, light is powerful. Have you ever thought about the power of light? The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 5, It says, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That word comprehended means that the darkness could not overcome the light. We know that to be a fact, don't we? That darkness. I came in here tonight, this evening, late this afternoon, and uh, walked in this sanctuary, and it was dark. I couldn't see anything in here. The darkness had overwhelmed this room and had overcome this room. But you know what? I didn't didn't come in here and start rebuking the darkness. I didn't come in here and try to sweep the darkness out the door. I didn't come in here with a shovel and try to shovel the darkness out. You know how you get rid of darkness? You just hit the switch, praise God, and you just turn on the light. And as soon as I hit the switches back there on the wall and the lights came on, the darkness was overcome by the light. Why? Because light overpowers darkness. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if you're getting this or not. Darkness has no defense at all against the light. And there is a battle that's going on constantly between light and darkness. It's, it's, go, it's been going on for millennia. It's been going on since the, the very beginning, since the fall of man. A battle between light and darkness. We see it in our political system. We see it in the world today. That battle between light and darkness. And darkness hates light. And light exposes darkness and dispels darkness. But in that battle between light and darkness, I want to tell you that light always wins. Darkness cannot overcome the light. Darkness always has to flee in the presence of the light. Light is absolutely, totally omnipotent against the darkness. And that is what uh, this attribute of God that is displayed by the light and God being the Father of lights, it displays His omnipotence, His almightiness, His power. I'm going to tell you that there's not a power of darkness tonight. There's not a demon spirit. Satan himself, none of the powers of the minions of darkness have any power whatsoever over God Almighty, over the Lord Jesus Christ. The light dispels and overcomes the darkness every single time. The power of light. Hallelujah! That's why I want to live in the light and preach the light. The light exposes the darkness and the light dispels the darkness from our lives. Woo! How do you get rid of it? You don't get a broom and try to beat it out. Amen? 
turn on the light and the darkness cannot stay. There's power in the light to defeat and overcome the darkness. When Jesus got on the ship and went to the other side of Galilee, they came through the storm. And we experienced a little bit of that on the boat. But when they got to the other side of Galilee, Jesus had calmed the storm. And they came to the land of the Gadarenes. And there was a man there. Matthew records two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs to meet Jesus. Mark records just the one. He was the main one, the one that was, that was possessed with, the Bible said, a legion of demons. He dwelt among the tombs. He cut himself. He cried out. He was in total darkness. Satan had complete control of his life. They bound him. They tried to rehabilitate him. But how many of y'all know you cannot rehabilitate someone that's in the darkness? The only way that they can be freed from the darkness is to be introduced to the light. Hallelujah. That's why we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ here. That's why we preach the Word of God. You don't come here and and have me give a book report on something or or just tell a couple of little stories. We're going to preach and teach the Word of God because it's the Bible. It's the Word. It's the light of the Word. The entrance of His Word giveth light. And it's the light that dispels the darkness from people's lives. Sinners can come in to this church and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ have the light shine upon them and see their condition and know and see their need of Jesus Christ that's what we want amen of course that's why a lot of people don't come to a church is because the light exposes their sin and their life amen But this man was so totally bound by the powers of demon spirits and the powers of darkness. But yet when he saw Jesus, he ran to him, oh glory to God, and he fell down at the feet of the master. And he began to plead with Jesus. Uh, You know, he said, have you, or the demons within him did, uh, have you come to torment us before the time? And Jesus, they said, Jesus, don't send us out of this of this uh, region, of this country. Uh, If you're going to cast us out, they knew he was going to, but they said, if you're going to cast us out, let us go. Uh, Just give us the the ability. Send us into these swine that are feeding. And Matthew's gospel, I love the way that Matthew's gospel records it because Matthew said that when those demons pleaded with the Lord to cast them into the swine, Jesus didn't grapple with them. Jesus didn't wrestle with them. Jesus didn't fight with them. But Jesus said one word. He said, go. And immediately, probably 6,000, it was legion was his name because there were many demons in him. However many there were, he was immediately set free. Every demon in him left. Every demon in him was gone. Why? Because the darkness had come in contact with the light. Hallelujah. And the darkness couldn't stand against the light. It had to flee and it had to go. Oh, give us churches that are lights of the world. 
May every Christian, may every one of us fulfill what Jesus has said that we are to be. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set upon a hill that cannot be hid. You are the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to be walking and living in the light and filled with the light. He is the Father of lights. Amen? So light is pure and light is powerful. Thank God for the power of the light. But number three, light is persistent. I could preach on the power of light all night, but light is also persistent. What do you mean by that, Brother Rick? In our text there, it says that James said, concerning the Father of lights, that there is no variableness. You notice that? No variation, neither shadow of turning. That means that light, God as the Father of lights, is always persistent and consistent. There's no changeableness with God. You know, we think about the sun, and the sun, the sun comes up, rises in the east, runs its circuit. Of course, it's the earth rotation that makes it the sun stationary, but it rises in the east, gets to high noon, then it goes down and sets in the west. The sun never will. Don't ever look for the sun to rise in the west. Because it won't. God has set the course of that sun that it is persistent and that it is consistent. I waited day, Brother Scott, I waited days and days and days on that boat to catch a sunrise. And every morning, one morning I was on the wrong side of the ship. I didn't, I'd lost my bearings. I didn't know exactly which way was west. And I was on the wrong or east, and I was on the west side. I didn't see a sunrise that morning because the sun never rises in the west. It's always consistent. Amen. But then on that last morning, on that last morning of the cruise, I got up early as I always do. And I went up and drank my coffee, did some Bible reading, and I came back to the, to the, to the room where we were. And uh, we had a balcony outside the room. And so I went out and I, and I sat out there. And by that time, I had, I had broke down and paid for Internet so I could get my compass on my phone. And I knew which way east was. And I knew that that morning we were facing, in our, our balcony was facing east. And there were some clouds over the horizon. So I didn't know if it would be too cloudy or not. But, uh, but praise God it wasn't. I sat and I waited and I drank my coffee and I sat there and prayed and talked to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I posted the pictures on Facebook. Many of you saw them. All of a sudden, there was the peak of the sun just coming up over that horizon, just as orange, just as bright orange as it could be. And I, and I watched it as, it as it came up and up and up and up because that's the way it does every day. But you know, God, God is not like the sun in the realm or in the way 
that He that He moves or that He rises and sets. Because with God there's no shadow. Are you listening to me? There's no shadow of turning. That means that, you know, in the morning your shadow's cast on one side, in the afternoon and late evening your shadow gets along. There's no shadow of turning with God. That means that God's not coming up or going down, but that all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, God Almighty is straight up at high noon. At high noon, there is no shadow. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah, I'm about to have a spell. At high noon, there is no shadow. And God, your Father, the Father of lights, is always straight up at high noon. He never changes. There's no variation in God. He's not one way one day and another way the next day. But there's a consistency with light. There is a consistency with your heavenly Father. You can count on Him. You can depend on Him. He's the same every day. He's the Lord that changes not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. There's no variableness in light. Light is the only source, the only force, the only substance that is persistent and consistent in its speed. I read today, I was was just curious what the speed of sound was. Not that I would like to go that fast, but just curious as I was just doing some research on this message. And I found out something about the speed of sound. This may interest you and it may not. But the speed of sound is not consistent. It depends upon sound waves. The speed of sound waves depends upon the temperature of the atmosphere. At 59 degrees, the speed of sound is 761.2 miles an hour. I know that really blessed you. But depending on the temperature, that very, oh hallelujah, that speed of sound varies and it, it, it fluctuates. It could be more, it could be less, depending on the temperature. But when it comes to the speed of light, the speed of light is 100, a little over 186,000 miles per second. 1,001. One click, one tick of the clock, one second, and a light beam in one second has circled the earth seven times. Glory to God. That's power. That's fast. That's trucking. That's moving on. 186,000 miles per second. I know nothing today. I'm not a scientist. I, you know, I've dissected some frogs in science classes, but I'm not, a, I'm not a, I know nothing about Einstein's theory of relativity. Does anybody here know about that? I know nothing about it, so I'm not going to preach on that, but I do know this, that he based that theory 
And everything that was based on that was relative to the speed of light. Why? Because the speed of light is constant. And it never varies and it never changes. It's the same every single day all the time. The speed of light. It doesn't speed up. It doesn't slow down. Amen. The cruise ship may get a little faster. It may get a little slower. The jet plane may go a little faster or a little slower. Your car probably goes at times a little faster and a little slower. And you yourself move at different speeds and rates and variables of speed at different times but not the speed of light you can always count on the speed of light to be exact and the same all the time that is the way your God is your God is the same every day you don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow and your heavenly father saying well I'm different today I woke up in a bad mood today I'm going to be ticked off today. No, your father is the same every single day, every hour of every day. He never changes. There's no variableness or shadow of turning because light is consistent. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, do I need to move on? Hallelujah. Something else about light and the speed of light. I used to, when I was a kid, watch these sci-fi shows, you know, space travel and all that. And, and, you know, we've never developed a spacecraft of any kind that would travel at the speed of light. But on those sci-fi movies, they did. They would be so many light years away from earth. But there's something that they say about the speed of light. And that is that if you could hop on a light beam, or if you could develop a spacecraft that would travel at the speed of light or near the speed of light, that when you're traveling, now I don't know who figured all this out, because they never tried it yet. But here's what they say. That traveling at the speed of light, that time literally stands still. And I, and I, I just Googled that today and I thought, what does it have to say? That one, one person said this, and this was what they figured out. So just for what it's worth. But I'm, I'm just making a point here. That if you could get on a spacecraft traveling at 186,000 miles a second, and you traveled in that spacecraft for 50 years, you, 50 light years, you would have aged 50 years, but if you returned to earth, 5 million years would have passed. So time stands still and age stands still at the speed of light. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 16, that God Himself only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. No man has seen God in that glory and in that light as of yet. But oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward. There's coming a day 
that we will, no one today can approach into the light, that light, but there's coming a day, as we've already talked about, when the trumpet shall sound and we receive that resurrection body and we go to be with the Lord, we will be able, we will be in that glorious light of God. The Bible says that we'll be in a place where time will literally stand still. We'll be in a place where we will be in eternity where there'll be no more aging and there'll be no more dying and there'll be no more getting old and there'll be no more bifocals and baldness and bunions and bulges. Hallelujah! Everything's going to be changing. Amen. You're going to have a brand new body. Hallelujah! And live with the Lord eternally. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that that city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb is the light thereof and there shall be no night there and they need no candle. They don't need the light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and forever. Can I tell you something tonight? Abundant Life Family Church, we're going to the Father of Lights to a place where there will be no end and time will mean nothing and age will mean nothing and everybody will be young and everybody will be healed and everybody will be happy over there. Come on. Somebody needs to get happy in this church tonight. Woo, hallelujah. I feel like I could run a couple of laps. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. So light is pure and light is powerful. The holiness of God, the omnipotence of God. Light is persistent, the consistency of God. He ever is the same forever. We're going to live with Him forever. But last of all, fourthly, last of all, light is pleasant. Isn't it? If you love, you know, think about, the, think about what likes darkness. Bats, spiders, huh? You know, stuff, the stuff that likes, you know, that's why you don't want to crawl under those. I don't like to get under the crawl space of the house in the summertime under there because you don't know what's creeping around in the dark under there. You know what I'm saying? Snakes. They like the dark. But I tell you what, there's pleasantness in sunshine. A gloomy day, you know, can get you kind of down. But oh, when the sun is shining and the sky is blue and there's not a cloud in the sky and it's just a pleasantness that fills your soul. Let me read you a scripture in, in closing. I'm, I've got to close. In Ecclesiastes, God says this. Although the, the, the wise man, the preacher Solomon says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing is for the eyes to behold the sun. It was such a joy, such a pleasure the other morning to watch that sunrise over the ocean and take pictures of it. It made me feel good. It made me behold the creation, caused me to be able to behold the, the creation of God 
and His handiwork and the picture that God, I felt like God was just, He spread the canvas of the sky out and got out His brushes and He said, Son, just let me paint you a pretty picture to watch this morning. That's the way I felt that morning. Hallelujah. It was pleasant. And so the pleasantness of light represents the goodness of God. And I'm going to end this message as I began it. And that is this, that God is a good God. That light is good and light is pleasant and God is good. And nothing but good comes from God and all good comes from God. And every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And artificial light can never match the sweetness of the sunlight. The Bible says in Psalm 84 and 11 that the Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will He withhold from them. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly before Him. God is good to you. The most pleasant life on this planet is the life that is lived for Jesus Christ. To knowing Him as your Lord and Savior and to having the Creator of this universe, the Almighty God, the Father of lights, as your own Heavenly Father. What an awesome thing that is. How good and pleasant it is to be a part of the family of God and to enjoy the blessings. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said, if you being evil know how to give good things, good gifts to your children. How many of y'all know how to give good stuff to your kids? And you enjoy doing it, right? He said, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts, good things to them that ask Him? You're serving a good, good God tonight. He's pure He's powerful, He's persistent, and He's pleasant. And those are the attributes of the Father of lights. Let's stand and worship Him tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we love You. We worship You. We praise You. Lord, we're so thankful tonight for all that You do for us. So glad tonight, God, that we can that we can call you our Father, our Abba Father. Lord, keep us tonight in the light, walking in the light every day. From the time that we get up in the morning, Lord, keep us walking in the light, letting your light shine on our pathway. Father, you said that the light, the path of the just is like a shining light that shines more and more clearer to the perfect day. We know that we're headed to that perfect day when we will spend eternity with you, when time will be no more, when we will live with you eternally in splendor and bliss. We're looking forward to that day, and we know it'll be soon. God, I'm asking you to bless this congregation tonight to strengthen and encourage each and every heart and life. We're believing you for great things, for wonderful things, for mighty things in this church. God, in the lives of your people. My prayer tonight is, Lord, that for myself and for this congregation at Abundant Life Church, that you will draw us.
Every one of us, draw us closer to you in 2020. Make us more like Jesus. Give us that purity and that holiness. Cleanse us, Lord, from our faults and our failures and our blunders and our mistakes. And help us to be more like Jesus.